For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closer's Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at Closer'sCoffee.ca. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm doing really good, really good. How are you? Not too bad. Get my morning started. <laughs> right, we'll start with that origin story. What uh, the origin story that is Paul? <laughs> yep. You know how you got started and, and to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, so basically, I grew up in Philly, and I talk about it a lot because it's the best city in the world. So you're in Toronto. I have bad memories of a World Series where we lost in Toronto. There's a home yep. run involved. It was broke my heart as a kid. Grew up in Philly. Um, just a real blue collar family. My dad was a union phone installer. Uh, so went through high school there, just worked my way through high school, uh, doing a lot of jobs like paper boy, working for Amish families before I had working papers, um, working at restaurants from Burger King, the Denny's, went to college. Uh, I thought I was going to go into full-time ministry. I got out of college, ended up, uh, marrying who was my, I guess I could call her my last like week of college is when we like came together and we ended up courting for the next year. And so I married her, moved to upstate New York because we had friends there. Uh, instead of going to ministry, I started a business. Uh, that business was an auto reconditioning. I had never been in a car dealership my entire life. Uh, we were like a $200 Volkswagen on the side of the road family. But I got a job as a service writer, believe it or not, at a Chevy dealer. And six weeks later, um, I heard about aluminum wheel repair and you could like fix wheels for dealers. And I was like, oh, that seems like something I could do. And the dealer principal, um, I told him about it because he was kind of a friend and a mentor. And he said, you know what? I think you should do it. I think you'll do great. Um, so he got me a, a rusty old $400 Chevy Astro <laughs> off the wholesale line, nice. everything everywhere. And that's how my business started. And that was in 03. Um, so I spent from 2003 until 2018 building a reconditioning company uh, that ended up servicing about 100, 150 dealers and dealer groups across upstate New York and down back down to Philly and made it back home. So um, did that. Uh, that company was acquired last year by Dent Wizard International. That kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't planning on that. But um, in the, the previous five years uh, uh, leading up to the acquisition, I had been building and incubating a creative agency and a production agency within the bigger company. Did that really to produce content for our company, company mm -hmm. culture stuff to keep everybody aligned because it's, reconditioning is a really tough job. You know, I did it for the better part of a decade myself, like pounding the pavement, out in the heat, out in the cold. Um, it's upstate New York, so there's a lot of snow, a lot of frigid. And so if people are going to stay at that job, they have to have more purpose. So I built this agency. Um, it grew servicing non-automotive clients primarily. So consumer packaged goods and B2B sales, um, documentary style things. Then when the acquisition came, I knew that the next step was to combine my operational understanding with automotive and my outsiders branding and marketing understanding. And that's kind of where we are today. So we've been going hard on, on congruent, my agency. Um, I'm all in on it, you know, for the last six to eight months. And uh, so that's kind of, it's kind of my second, I feel it's like fun. it's like startup. Well, that's fun. that's yeah. where we are. That's where we stand today. <laughs> you know, I feel like we're, we're always kind of in a startup mode. You know, like, I, I don't, I honestly, I don't think we these days, yes, of it, you know, it's like, because there's always there's, it's, it's, you, you never kind of stick with one thing and the business yeah. starts to evolve and change. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in, in 2018, we probably produced around two, 300 videos for dealerships. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this year, we're already, we're the third month of the year and we're already at 
247 wow, for, for, for dealership. Oh, like, but I would have not, I did not know. Like I yeah. was really not expecting it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just like, you know, being that small business and you know how it is, you had to sometimes just be able to pivot and just pivot yeah. really fast, you yeah. know, whatever direction that the you know industries and the business is heading towards. For sure. Last, just last week I was, uh, I, I was talking, I was having a conversation with Ernie Garcia, the CEO of Carvana. And he said what he uh, really pointed out because I was asking him about, you know, Carvana's strategy and like, you know, how's, how's, how's it flow like back to pivoting. Mm -hmm. And he said the company he admires most in this area is Amazon because Amazon has this mentality of it's like, it's always day one. Yeah. Right. You look at your business today, like, okay, day one, like startup mindset, startup mode. What are we going to do with what we've been presented with today versus, you know, a lot of companies, they build something and then everything else is like, how do I keep that one thing going? Mm -hmm. Right. And while the rest of the world is moving on, right. Or they're changing direction and like, you're so isolated. So like, yeah, business today, you have to be startup mindset. You have to be day one mindset. And, and I think for dealerships, that would be actually a really good place for them to start. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I don't think they, they don't act like a startup, you know, in a lot well, of cases. It's an old industry, of course. It, yeah, it is, it is an old industry. And in a lot of cases, the current dealer principals that I'm working with, you know, it was their father's business, or in some yeah. cases, it was their grandfather's business, mm -hmm. you know, and then they're now taking it over. But, you know, I, I see the ones, I'm always looking for patterns of success, right? Mm -hmm. And I do see the ones that are real successful right now are treating their dealerships more like a startup, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's not, you know, they're, they're respecting what was the current operations, you know, they're evaluating, you know, how the processes were developed, but mm -hmm. they're treating it like a new business where it's like, well, this needs, is this really fulfilling, you know, the needs of today's customers or was this a process that was more developed or an operations that was developed for, you know, customers needs five, 10 years ago because it, it, it's changed. Yeah. Five years ago is too long. Right. It's true. Even five years. These days, like, if you're yeah. if you're like looking, if you're operating on what did what customers wanted five years ago, if you really think about where we were, where websites were, and where the customer experience expectation was five years ago, it might as well be twenty five years ago. It's different. Yep. It is different. It's fundamentally different. And I agree with you. If dealers aren't willing to, if they're not really willing to upend what they have and not be romantic about it, because their father did put it in place or their grandfather put it in place or the sales team really likes it this way because it benefits their pay plan the best. Like if dealers aren't willing to be kind of atheistic about that and think like, Hey, if we don't build a business that's relevant in 2019, then we're not going to be profitable. We're going to be out of business. We're going to be selling at pennies on the dollar very soon, right? Dealers that aren't willing to do that are, it's just, they're just biding their time you know, until it happens. So the dealers that you work with, the dealers that we see out there that are being the most successful have the most unconventional practices. If you were thinking conventional in terms of automotive practices. Well, cause I think what you have to do is you have to put your, your processes and you have to put your strategies and literally put them against the fire and see if they stay or not. And, you know, mm -hmm. if they burn out, they burn out. I mean, I was actually just talking to, you know, some of my team earlier today and we're on just in the last five years, we're on the fourth, I would say the fourth variation mm -hmm. of how we're structured. 
right? Mm -hmm. Of what the, you know, the business is really kind of focused on and even how the, the management team is structured, you know, all the way down to the execution team. We're on the fourth variation that we're still looking to find that variation that meets our, that meets our customers' needs the best, you know? It's, it's like operating systems. Think about mm -hmm. it, right? Computer operating yeah. systems, right? It's almost like, as you're saying that, you would think 4.0, it's like beyond that. It's beyond 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. It's almost like we need a new operating system, right? Because now if you think computer-based, right? Like software requirements are different. Internet requirements are different. Mm. Security requirements are different. And that's what's happening in the auto industry. It's like the requirements are just different now. So like the Actually, fact that you go through that, it's like an operating system. I think it's a perfect analogy. I mean, it really is. I mean, think about the customers are the ones that are really defining what those requirements are. Absolutely. It's our responsibility as the, the programmers to develop out a- The market, yes. The operation. Market so, decides. So let's deep dive into that. So what sure. do you think right now those, those customer requirements are that have changed over the last few years? Yeah, I think that the consumer expectation when they do business with any company, it has, it's not just about the product. It's not mm -hmm. just about the experience. I mean, we have a lot of focus these days on the customer experience, but I think it's a lot deeper than that. I think people not only want a great experience, right? They want it to be friction-free. They want it to be catered to their lifestyle. Like those are all things that we're talking about. And that conversation is fantastic. I really believe that people more than anything expect a level of connection in whatever it is that they do um, because their time is important. And if you understand why their time is important, like everyone says, okay, our time is the most important thing, right? Sure, 100%. Right, so that's, we understand the time. I think people want you to understand a level deeper, like why is my time important? And that's something I don't hear any conversation around. And I think that we almost expect that in the brands that we do business with is like, if you understand why my time is important and let me know that you understand in the right way, I think that I connect with you more. So that's I, that that's that connection you're talking about, right? Just that. Yes. Oh, so, absolutely. It's empathy. So, okay. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So that's yeah. so How does a dealer put that into action? You know, I mean, how do look? Do dealers just want to connect with their customers? I, I think a lot do. I think you know? they say they do. Um, I think there are dealers that do. I think that um, the automotive world has really been a lot of give to get over the last uh, ten years, right? So. Yeah. It, it used to be like just the hardcore sales game and it still is in a lot of places, right? It's like almost you can hang a sign out front that says victims wanted, <laughs> right? And since I can only buy from a franchise dealership, right? I have to go there. And since the other guy has the same sign out, like it's just lesser of two evils. And I think people have felt like that. Um, as we progress and as we move forward, I think dealers are like, okay, we, the customer wants this, so we have to give them this, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of times I think it's like through gritted teeth, it's, it's handled in a way that, you know, they look at it and they kind of begrudge it, you know? So then it's like, all right, I'll give you this. Look, see, I care. I have a nice waiting room, buy a car. Right. And so I think the next iteration of that is dealers who are willing to kind of open, that's it's a weird term to use in automobile, but open their heart and say, I really want to care about the person and put that in front of the sale. I'm going to caveat that because Dealers I know really care about people. Like, and sure. I know that. Sure. family dealerships, they give to the community um, probably more than the next 10 businesses. So it's not that they don't care about people or care about the community, but I think that level of care and empathy doesn't come through in the sales process because dealers have so historically been viewed as give to get. So how do dealers do that? 
was your original question that I guess we come all the way back around? It's, it's what's the first steps, right? I mean, because I, look, I, I agree with you in theory, and I think there are a fair amount of dealers are listening to this, and, and they're doing one of these right now. Their heads are going up and down, and they go, you know, yes, that's right. That's what I've been trying to do. I want to communicate that message to, mm-hmm. you know, to my potential customers and my existing customers that I, I do give a shit, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I do literally have the intention of putting your needs kind of ahead of my own and and, and look you know for the dealership out there they're kind of shaking their head going no i'm not going to do that look if you look at any industry out there that has put in the customer um in front of themselves they actually ultimately win so actually the, the way to win is putting people in front uh, putting a yeah head of funny them. funny thing about that right funny how that works right yeah you know, so, so what would you say some of those first steps are saying okay i'm that dealer yes i want to put my customers ahead of me i want to communicate that message to them what are those first steps to be able to authentically communicate that message where it doesn't come off as a sales pitch? Well, I think the first thing would really is a mind shift and it's understanding that you're going to have to do three times as much as you think. Like at the, when you get to the point where you think like, Hey, I'm doing it. You need to multiply that by a hundred percent. And then when you think now I'm really doing it, you have to do that again. And I think it's because dealers' perception of themselves is just naturally going to be different. So that, that's why the first multiplier. The second multiplier is because people have a worse perception of you than you think. And like anything, right? If you kind of feel like you slight me, you're going to have to work twice as hard, mm-hmm. right? To, to get me back to zero, right? To get me, you should be like, nah, I don't really... I don't really, I'm sus, that guy's suspect, right? You start there and then do a bunch of work and I'm like, okay, maybe he's even. And then you're going to have to do a bunch more work to be like, okay, now I like them. So the deal, I think the mind shift is the very first thing. Understand you're going to have to do two to three times as much as you think in order to actually get there. Step one, internal. No, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, look, first you got to acknowledge how much work it's actually going to take, right? And, you know, it, it's work. And it's not, it's, I, I, you know, I get tired of, I'm getting tired of good ideas. You know what, you know what I mean by a good idea? Like I just, I'm constantly always being told about good ideas, <laughs> Yeah. you know? And it's like, it's, it's like, I, I, I get it, you know, yeah. but, yeah. but it just seems like a good idea doesn't necessarily always have like a real goal or objective behind it or yep. some way of actually tracking the, the return on the investment. Yeah. It's, it's a, a tactic. tactic. Tactics you know? will not fix the problem. You know, so, so when, when I talk about uh, specifically branding, but it goes for company culture, it goes for mm-hmm. engaging your audience, like, okay, so what you just, good idea is a tactic, right? SEO optimization is a tactic. Mm-hmm. Hacking a new algorithm that Google just changes the tactic, right? And then 30 days will be a new one, right? So thinking that those are going to save you, the illustration I use, it's like blood pressure medication. Mm-hmm. I have high blood pressure. So I'm going to take this tactic, which is this pill, and it'll lower my blood pressure for now, right? But if I keep living the way I'm living and eating the way I'm eating and being sedentary, right, my blood pressure is going to keep going up. That tactic, now I'm going to have to double up on the tactic, right? But I'm not getting any healthier, no, right? When the actual solution, right? So a tactic is like, oh, this is a good idea. Solution is like radically change your diet radically change your fitness level. Mm-hmm. If you do those two things, your blood pressure holistically gets better. But that's a lot of work. The tactic is a lot easier, right? Sure. So 
for people to have good ideas about how to change the perception of customers, like you have to make it a way of life. You have to understand it's got to be pervasive. It, it is. And it has to be, I mean, literally you have to breathe it. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to eat mm -hmm. it. It's, it's just, it's in every single thing you do to the, to the way you answer the phone, to the way you respond to an email, to mm -hmm. the way you shake someone's hand, to, to every single process it gets put in there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so here's how, here's my question for the dealerships out there. Like, yeah, Hey, Paul, Jay, like, I really dig this. Like I want to head that direction. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I always want to give them like a measurable say, okay. So, so like, here's, you know, here's the goal, right? Like, for example, like like you said, you know, working out, right. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, if I, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds. All right. I have an, I have a measurable. Now mm -hmm. I got to work on the activities that's going to help me get to that measurable result. What that, what that mm -hmm. means. So a dealership is, is, you know, wanting to change the perspective uh, of how people view them, you know, what mm -hmm. would you say the measurable would be you know, so that we can work towards it? Okay, so uh, I'll start with good old-fashioned, data-proven goal setting. Okay. <laughs> if you write it down, like on a freaking piece of paper, say over the next 12 months, or actually you'll bring it down, over the next 12 months, I want to develop a strategy to be more connected with my customers, right? You've just set a timeline yep. and you've written it down, which makes you 50% more likely to actually do it. Then after that, the next three steps you can take, right? It's just goal setting. I think it's easy. Like this is a big, big topic and it's a big initiative that you're saying. So like, what is the first thing you have to commit? And part of committing is like, just write it down. So if you're listening to a podcast and you want to do that, Literally on your desk, on a business card, on a napkin, write it. And you're already halfway closer to completing it. No, no, the it's next, that first step, right? You got you to you take it. It's, so, it's really, really simple. And sometimes like everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's right. But I forget to do that all the time. So it's easy to say it like from the outside, but, like I write it down. And that'll be like a reinforcer of the commitment because you're going to need the commitment to do it. Um, the next step is like um, what I particularly do is like I would start doing research. Okay. I, and I would look at the businesses who do it well in retail, right? Mm, there you go. In retail, right? Just understand maybe the next line would be like, I'm a retailer, not a car dealer, right? And start there. Understand that like, I'm not in the car business. I'm in the retail business. You know, that's like a mind opener because the car is just the product. It is. Your, your manufacturer Ford or Volkswagen, whatever. That's just the product. That's not who you are right? They can't tell you how to internally run your business to an extent, you know, to a small extent, but like when it comes to your team and your culture, the next thing you're really going to have to focus on is the other people around you. Look around your room at your leadership team, at your executive team, right? And say, are these the people that are going to be willing to go on this journey? And you're going to know right away, you're going to be like, that guy's not, that guy's not, that guy maybe, that guy definitely, right? <laughs> and you everybody's going to look around and be like, that guy's going to flip a lid when I tell him what we're trying to do. That guy's going to call me an idiot because I'm messing up his F&I revenue stream when people don't like getting beat up in the box anymore. Yep. Now, you know, and then my sales manager is going to lose his mind if I say I want to go to one price, right? And you're going to look around at these things 
And you have to really take an assessment and be like, do I have the team that's going to back me up through this? So I think that's, that's a really, really good place because you're right. Like you said, this is not a, this is not short, the short-term strategy. This is not a short-term game. This is, you got to put the work in to get the results, right? I can lose these yep. pounds. I got to put the work and do so, yep. you know, and, and if I don't have the right team, if I don't have the right support staff, I'm not going to like, it, it's not going to go anywhere. Right. No, you need to surround so, yourself with people that are going to encourage you a third, right? Yes. So as we're developing this, what else would I do? Find the others. Like marketing guru Seth Godin says, find the others, right? Tribal thinking. You find the other people in the industry that are willing to think about this. Like in the book that I'm going to put out, it's, it's like I wrote this book for the 10% of dealers that are going to think this way. My goal is to alienate 90% of the industry as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Because, and if you're going to make this decision to really connect and really holistically change, find the others as fast as possible. Um, I use the illustration of Olympic athletes, right? They get up at ridiculous hours. They have ridiculous diets. Um, they work out like crazy. And it's like this really abnormal life. If you look at it from an outsider's perspective, it's kind of nuts, mm-hmm. right? But guess what? It's not crazy to them. Why? Because the people they hang out with, the trainers, the other athletes, it's just normal life. So if you surround yourself with other people that think that way, it's just going to seem normal and you're going to be interested to find out that your results start to look like the other people that you said, I want to do what they're doing. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. In fact, I started thinking about all the dealerships that I've been in. I've, I've been in a lot or over yeah. my career. Uh, you know, that, that, you've, um, been in, you've been in more dealerships than any dealer has. Yeah, yeah it's true. I have. I've, yep. I've been in many <laughs> dealerships and you're right. The team, the dealer may make a decision as far as the direction um, or the perception that he wants to trade to outside to his customers. And a lot of the times it does have to do with the team. And I, I have seen dealerships get held back or dealer principals get held back in the direction they want to go because the manager that they've had for the last 22 years is not willing or in a space where they want to put in that additional work, you know, to go down that direction. So you're right. I mean, if you don't have that team, we can come up, we can come up with all the empathetic uh, processes, right? Mm -hmm. We can be incredibly customer centric in our marketing efforts. You know, we, we, we can do all this, but if your team is not there to really support you and, and, and push along that message, it's just going to yeah. get, yeah, you're dead. right. hundred percent. Totally makes sense. Dead on arrival. Yeah, it will. It will. Dead on arrival. Like that idea is dead man walking. You just don't realize it yet. I think every dealer mm-hmm. or any GM or anyone who's listening to the podcast that has had that idea of whatever, fill in the blank, new sales model, new incentive program, new, whatever, new, whatever, this new recruiting, whatever it is. And they've been excited about an idea. And they thought they were going to go it alone and produce it, you know, introduce it to the team. And you're looking back at faces that are looking at you with like, nah, <laughs> right? It dies so fast. Everyone, every leader has had that experience once in their life, at least. And I think in automotive, right, that happens probably more frequently because I read a book or I went to a conference. And I have this great idea, but the team isn't really aligned around it, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's not going to work. You know, one, um, a book that I read uh, is called Entree Leadership by a guy named Dave Ramsey. And he talks about the three levels of unity. And the first level of unity is acceptance, where people say, okay, that's the direction you want to go. I accept that. You're my boss, mm-hmm. right? 
The next level is agreement, which is, hey, I agree with that idea, right? And so, okay, you said that, I agree, that sounds good. That's better than acceptance, right? <laughs> the last level is alignment. So alignment is not only do I agree with it, but I see it as my responsibility to make it happen. To execute on it, right? Right, and so that's like alignment is the word, yeah. correct, alignment. So, and depending on your level of preparation and being able to lead your team there, right? The leader is out front mm -hmm. and he has to convince people to follow him. Like, so the dealer or the general manager is like the ultimate sales guy. He has to sell it to the sales guys. Yeah, you no, it, it all trickles downwards, right? I mean, it just- it absolutely does. And, and, and I think there's, like you said, if you don't have someone that is, that agrees with you, that um, that's in a line with you. And sorry, what was the third one again? I missed the third uh, one. Agreement, acceptance, or acceptance, agreement, alignment. Accept, it, that makes sense. If they don't accept yeah. what you're saying as, as being truth, that they don't, <laughs> if they don't agree with it, and if they're not going to be aligned with you, then honestly, you're probably going to have to let them go. You oh, know, I, I think if, 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 I mean, like at the first level, right? If they don't accept it, right? This is the direction, they're like, nah. It's like, but then you can't be on the team. But there, there's some truth to that. I have, um, I, I work with very close with a lot of the other principals and um, some are better than others, mm -hmm. but I, I do need to see probably more dealer principals be the real captain of their ships, mm -hmm. you know? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the failure or the success is going to lie on them. Yeah. So they need to own that captain role and say, hey, look, this is the direction we're steering the ship. And yeah, you're coming along or you're jumping off. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think the best leaders align where the ship is going. They, they know how to align it with that person's personal trajectory and values. Mm -hmm. um, because you can be, there's a, a great book called It's Your Ship by Captain Mike Abershoff. Changed my perspective on leadership. I'll and he took up, yeah, might be back here somewhere. Here it is. <laughs> this book. My team bought me a copy and got the captain to sign it. <laughs> Very cool. But because I made this a part, I made this a part of our culture, right? Yeah. It's your ship. So basically the, the general, the, the story is, so there's a ship called the USS Benfold. It was a destroyer and he, Abershoff took over from the previous, they switch it out like every four years, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be the captain. And so when his turn, he walked onto the deck as the other guy was going, the other guy left. Right. And everyone was like so happy to see that guy go. And so it was like one of the worst performing ships. And he transformed that into the best performing ship in, in the period of four years with the same people. Wow. And that's, that's the thing. So like when you lead and what he did was like, Hey, he talked to every individual member of that crew, brought them into the captain's quarters, understood what was, what driven them, why, why they were driven, what motivated them. And then aligned what the ship had to do. I mean, and you're thinking like the most bureaucratic, like this is United States Navy. If you talk about SOPs, like you know procedures, like you can't change them. It is what no, it is. What it is. <laughs> you can't give them a pay raise. You can't switch them to a different position. Oh, you're a gunner. We're going to make you attack, or we're going to make you like you can't do that. It doesn't work. So that way. all no. the limitations. But the principle is like the external thing, like how am I going to connect with my customers? How am I going to be more customer facing and relevant? It really does start with like, how am I going to connect with my team and get that alignment, right? Mm -hmm. So captain of the ship, you can go off and just start swinging the ax and chopping heads off, right? 
But if you that's do one that, way. <laughs> that's one way to not have what you want, right? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but a lot of that has to do with just understanding what your people want and finding a way to align the trajectory of the business with that person's personal trajectory. So they're going in the same direction and then you get the buy-in, then you get the alignment. See, I love this. And, I, and I'm so glad that, that this, that we kind of went this direction with this piece because, you know, um, you know, for years, um, training development and just recently more so coaching has become popular at the dealership. Mm -hmm. But the one place I don't hear enough about is actual team building at the dealership. It's like, we'll train you on, on the how to sell a car, right? Mm -hmm. We'll develop out your skills so that you're better at selling a car. And, you know, we'll coach you in your performance, mm -hmm. maybe give you a pat in the back, maybe not, depending on the dealership. Mm -hmm. but, but then when it comes to the team, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a boardroom, you know, and I got service manager over here and a parts manager over here and the used car manager over here, the used car manager and hates the service manager because they want to kill each other right because the used car manager is a cheap bastard and then the service manager hates the used car manager because he won't re recondition his vehicles and it's just and then the parts manager hates the new car manager because you know he, he wants a discount every single time they go back for floor mats it's just like yeah and then yeah it's, it seems like that's one of the biggest missing pieces now since you're like saying family it, therapist is what you need Oh my gosh. You know what? That actually is not a bad idea. Maybe that's it's the same. It's the same principles, honestly. Hey, I, I think we just came up with a new product offering. <laughs> dealership <laughs> therapy. Austin, you want to make a note of this real quick? Yeah. We call it dealership, dealership therapy. Um, yeah. uh, hosted by, by Jason Harris and Juan Daly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> But oh, you're yeah. right, though. I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, you kind of have to sit down and, and you got to work through these different paralyses. But yeah, right. When they're on board and they're working as a single unit, which mm -hmm. is what happened with that boat, is that all of these individuals are now working as a single unit, you mm -hmm. know, uh, wrapped around the the face to face respect that the cap that sounded like the captain was giving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then they were able to probably to then start diving into the processes. And yep. yes. You know, See, and that's so right. would that be like the next step? Because I'm just trying to think, like, okay, so let's say you got to start right, start with the people, yep, right, process, product, right? The three things people, process, product that's business. So, yeah, start with the people, mm -hmm. the process. Because, how hard is it to revamp a process if the people don't want to do it? <sighs> it's it's like if it's you've ever tried to move a horse where it doesn't want to go, <laughs> it's right, not, it's not happy. You can, pull it, you can keep pulling it, right? Or if you just like coax him to go and he just walks <laughs> so yeah so. i i think it'd be fair dealerships out there to say you know give yourself give yourself a good 90 days you know give yourself a good few months to really develop that team you know and and and, and team building exercises if that's what's needed it's just make sure that you have that team so that before you even talk about because i feel like with you know as dealer principles and i was one myself is that we want things done fast Oh, well, we're just going to do it now. You know, it's like one day I rolled in. I, I End got of the month coming. I got this great coming. idea. I got this great idea, guys. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to blow everything up and we're going to yeah. change it all. We're going to start selling cars this way instead of we doing it this way. Yeah. Like, I actually did that once to my team. I remember the look on their face was like, just, <laughs> was that know, like, can you just go away? <laughs> yeah, was it even acceptance? It wasn't, wasn't <laughs> close. It was like, uh, we're, we're trying to sell cars right now. Jason, can you, can you just leave? <laughs> can you just, how am I supposed to do that? 
but but I, I feel like because we get as a as business owners we get passionate about this so we mm-hmm. immediately go in yeah you know like a shooting range and we just want to get as much done as yeah. possible yeah but I, I think if you if you step back and before you even start to develop out your process you take that time to develop out your team mm-hmm. then you start developing out the process so let's say hey we took our first few months we really got the team on board everybody is now it was united is that what you mm-hmm. said? Is it right um, what would you yeah, say those first process, those first, uh, or everyone's aligned, right? We're all aligned yeah. now. Yep. So what would you say the first set of processes that would look like to ensure that we're showing our dealership that we, we do, or customers that we do care and that we are empathetic yeah. to their needs? Yeah. Um, my first step, and it's not just because I operate a branding agency, but I believe that brand and understanding what your brand is actually about and doing the work to define the messaging, define the themes in there, because because when you understand what your brand is or what you want it to be, right? Because you can develop a brand about what you want it to be. You can do Mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. When you do that work, you automatically get two benefits. Number one, you get alignment because it's clearly defined now. There's no more expectation of what I think it is. Well, what is it to you? Well, what is it to you? Right. So internally, you can't have that. Right. Internally, we have to be like, look, I heard a great story. Do you know, do you guys have Chick-fil-A in Toronto? Uh, no, we don't, but I know exactly you, what you're talking about. You know about. what it is. Yep, yep. Um, so Chick-fil-A, uh, just restaurant fast food chain that has insane customer loyalty, insane loyalty of their minimum wage employees. And, you know, you would never think that you could operate a fast food restaurant like this. So um, they have this interesting concept where they talk about as our leadership, we decide what we are about. And I'm not talking like macro, macro, you know, like, cause it's a very, you know, they hold a lot of close religious beliefs and all that, not macro, macro, but like operationally, mm-hmm. this is how we do it. And when they get all the senior executives in the room, everyone has a different nuance and idea of what they think it is or should be or could be, but they say, we are going to decide on what it is. Right. So even if you think it, it should be something different, it is this. Even if you think it should be different, it is this. And that's a compromise. So the branding, ex- the brand development exercises, let your team know this is what we're about. This is the feeling we want people to have when they buy here, when they work here. Everything stems from that. So then as you develop processes, you say, does that line up with what we're about? Yeah. If we're going to answer it, phone script. Does that line up with what we're about? service intake process does that line up with payroll pay period benefits does that line up with what we're about hiring does it line up and then the next step is like external Mm -hmm. as we start to communicate this what we're showing people what we're telling people what they hear when they walk in the building what they feel just because of the pictures we have up so the next step is the brand development process because it's not marketing specific branding is defining your soul (laughs) No, so no, it is right. I mean, we, yeah. um, I like to call them, I call them branding cornerstones. Mm-hmm. All right. Cause I like the idea of a cornerstone. The cornerstone kind of, it holds yeah, up. It's found, yeah. It holds everything it's together. It's foundational, right? It's, yeah. you know, you can, we call it the foundation, we call it cornerstone, but yeah. the whole concept is, is that it is, it, it holds 
the weight of everything above it, right? If you think of it a foundation, you have maybe multiple pillars within your brand, right? And and whatever those pillars may be, maybe those pillars are that you're in, you know, uh, um, innovative and tech savvy. You know, that might be a part of your brand. It may or may not be, right? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. a part of the brand is that you're just uh, fun. I mean, yep. you got to admit it. The, when you think of the car buying process, you don't typically think of a fun experience. So, you know, but maybe that's a part of that personality and you want to make that a part of your brand. Sure. But you're 100%. Well, if that's one of your pillars. I mean, that's really good. Fun is one of your pillars. The, the cool thing is that when you define what that pillar is, like what you were saying, yeah. is that it gives now your process a direction, right? So when you yeah. go into, you know, um, how can I make answering the phone fun? You know, how can I make the F and I process fun? You know, yeah. how, you, know you think that's going to drive processes once that's defined? Right. Absolutely. It forces you now to say, okay, well, this is our brand. This is what we are. You know, now yeah. we're going to have to define out. And, yeah. and, then, and I've seen this happen. I mean, unfortunately, I have to admit, I've literally only seen this a handful of times, you yeah. know, but, but when it does happen, whew, it's beautiful. Um, and, and you actually see it shine on a profit and loss statement. <laughs> but not immediately. But not immediately. It, it, it takes That's a little, why takes it's a hard time. to connect. Yep. That, well, car business is 30 days year to hear of cycles. That's true. Right. <laughs> and so it's like a fundamental shift in thinking. Like you will see it on the P&L because frankly, a lot of the areas that it improves aren't directly measurable. Right. Like if yes. retention, retention. You can't measure that from week to week, right? It's because it, it fluctuates. But at the end of the year, if you improve your retention and your retention went from like 60% to 75%, do you think your profit line is going to be higher? Yes. Clearly, right? right? <laughs> but it, it's like I, I use the illustration. It's like changing the engine of an airplane while it's in the air, right? You got to pull, you got to pull, you can't land the plane. You can't land the plane. You have to keep flying it, but you need a different engine. So what do you do? You pull the engine out and the plane's going to start to dip and you got to get the next one in as soon as possible. But the next one, boy, can it go. And, and that's, it's not fast thing. No. And I actually think it's fair to say that this is probably effectively a, a good 12 month process. Yes. It, it will take some time. You know, I don't yes. want people to go into this thinking that this is going to be done in the first three months. You know, I mean, like we said, I, we, we're encouraging people to take the first three months and really kind of develop out your team. And then I would say, you know, really let's put a date, a, a time to it. I take the next three months to really develop out what the processes are going to be that are in line with what those branding cornerstones, that brand, that whatever you define to be that brand is, right? Mm-hmm. Because those processes are going to take time. You know, you're going if to, if your brand is fun, you're going to mm-hmm. start to answer the phone in a fun way. But the first time you do it won't be the way you do it the second or the third version. You know, yeah. You, you're going to need some time to give those processes their, their proper work through, right. And see if they actually mm-hmm. stick or not, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, it's funny because we're marketing guys and here we are, we've literally spent, you know, majority of the entire podcast talking about operations, but now this is the part where as, as a marketing guy, and I'm sure you too, this is where we get excited because yeah, you, you tell somebody oh, about it now. Boy, does it not give us a story? I mean, this is juicy. This mm-hmm. is like, this is like, beefy, you know, double Big Mac style. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm going to bite it. This is something I can, yeah. from a marketing perspective, from content development and messaging and, uh, you know, a new customer acquisition and existing customer strategies. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I got this big 
beefy, beefy message now that I get to mm-hmm. Yeah, and it actually makes the marketing resistance a lot lower because it's mm-hmm. actually what you are. And you know, like the marketing job is to, to draw attention, generate attention. Mm-hmm. And when you do that and people actually go through the buying process and have a, uh, like a congruent experience in the sense where what you sold them was what they actually experienced, it really does start to generate a momentum. It generates reviews, it generates word of mouth, right? It generates brand loyalty. So like repeat stays higher. It, it does. And that's, you know, unfortunately, I think the marketing results are what dealers look, have been trained and conditioned to look for on a really immediate basis. Yeah. Real right? fast, right? Turn this tactic on. I see what it did. Turn this tactic on. I see what it did. Shut that feature off. Cancel a third party. Let me see what it does. Right. Because those are really real time things that are happening. The problem is the flip side, if you think about it, oh, so there's actually no legacy value to anything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like my my investment is the shortest term investment imaginable. It's like day trading. Right. It's like, oh, well, the value drops here. But but developing internal culture, developing consistent brand messaging internally, then externally, then generating marketing collateral that goes to that. You actually build long term brand equity that doesn't that doesn't dip the second you shut off an ad spend. Well, see, that's I, I find that dealerships are confused between the difference of advertising and marketing. Of course. And, and you know, advertising is kind of what you just said. It's that if we put a single ad out there, they're usually time sensitive ads. You know, it's this price for this offer till the end of the month. And, and the ad has an expiration date and the engagement and the attention of that ad expiration dies off with it as well. You know, it's just, like you said, it goes, does its thing, done. Yep. Take an action right now. And the next ad is take this action, take this action, right? So, so I find a lot of dealerships think they're actually marketing when in reality, they're not. They're just yep. simply running ads. Correct. And there's actually yep. no marketing going on whatsoever, you yep. know, because mm-hmm. mar- marketing is, is taking those stories, that brand, all right, and developing off, you know, engagement and attention, and, but continuing to maintain and continue to develop out that engagement and attention. It's a it's a beast that just kind of continues to grow and grow and grow and grow yeah. and grow until it can be a very, very big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's you know, building the narrative, right? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not just one punchline in the story. It's that marketing is the narrative constantly crafting and steering the narrative. Yeah. The ad is an ask. The ad is please do this now. Yeah. There's, there's a big difference, but do dealers, most dealers recognize that? No. Um, and another big, big thing that I do see a lot is, um, would be a dealer, a dealer principal or marketing director, or general manager that believes that their brand is really isolated to like their logo or their name. See, my brand is out there. It's mm-hmm. like, no, brand is actually, you know, the feeling that people get when they consider your buying or they see your stuff. You know, we have, we all have in, in our markets, those dealers that do a lot of shouting and yelling on TV and things like that. And they have like top of like a really great level of top of mind awareness where Everybody in the community knows who they are. They might even seem when they go out like a little celebrity, right? Mm-hmm. Like a little celebrity, self-made celebrity, and people will recognize them and say hi. And they've convinced themselves that that actually means that people want to buy a car from them. Not oh. the same thing. Just, Just because, because I know your name. know who they are. That's it. <laughs> doesn't mean I want to buy a car from you. It doesn't. Just because I might even want a selfie with you doesn't mean I might want to buy a car from you, right? I might say it to your face, 
<laughs> but, but no, but that's totally true, right? I mean, the, the, the cool thing was a brand is the brand super exceeds any individual. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. it, it literally is tied to, to, to the company it, itself. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's its own, it's its own person. Yeah. It's now, its own now, person. The individuals within the dealership support the growth of the brand. Yep. All right. So you have these little, you know, brand ambassadors that are supporting those mm -hmm. efforts, but they're not. The they're, brand they're just correct. I, I yeah. say they're just expressions of the brand. Yeah. And a brand has a zillion expressions. So, you know, there are dealerships. I, I would agree. I mean, I think, unfortunately, a, a lot of dealerships out there are probably doing about 80 to 90% advertising and maybe not even 10 to 20% of actual yeah, branding pretty, effort, right? Pretty, pretty um, common. That might be, that might even be gratuitous. It could be, right? I'm just kind of thinking like, what do I see? And maybe it's yeah. less than that yeah. in some cases, right? Yep. Um, you know, but that's what the consumer is looking for. Mm -hmm. The consumer is not buying ads. I mean, they're not buying into these two hundred fifty dollars biweekly offers. I mean, it's noise. Yeah, it's right? noise. Mm -hmm. Right? It, it's they're they're buying they they want to own a story before they own a product. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you you guys get to work with a lot of dealerships. Do do you have an example right now that you just? I mean, sure, there's a handful you're probably working with right now. It's like these guys are just really crushing it. Yeah. You know, is there any examples maybe you can give us that we can, you know, like you said, because you, you said about surrounding people that are, are mm -hmm. kind of executing this, right? Yeah. Um, the one, the one that uh, we've worked with the most and we have the most pervasive brand initiative with is the Sun Automotive Group in Syracuse, New York. Um, we have shifted the model from primarily sales-based material, mm -hmm. brand, brand first material and and we, I mean, there've been a lot of operational shifts as well that have gone on, right? And just to ind indicator, we could have done amazing brand, like beautiful videos and mm -hmm. really connected stuff. But if they came in and had a bad experience or it didn't add up, then it would fall apart in two months. So, I mean, there's been a lot of operational changes. This dealership just moved to one price model. Um, but the dealer used to be known as the used car king, right? The dealer principal's name is Todd Caputo. And it was Todd Caputo, the used car king, right? That was the brand. That was what people knew. But in this new, like that worked 10 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Very successful, right? Because there's this element of a value warehouse and like, you know, like I'm going to get a deal and like car culture and like what it was and consumer expectations. But now you realize that pricing is really pretty similar across the board. And once people realize that you're like, well, price is no longer a differentiator than what are we trading on really? Sure. And, you know, we're trading on attention and connection. So we've really revamped the entire brand is now, now it's sun S U N stands for, for simple upfront and nice. So now the sun auto group is simple upfront and nice. And, and really we talk about the, the feelings that we want to elicit from those things. So when we make content and like all the content is even, even going to be viewable if you go search, because a lot of it's done in you know, targeted Facebook ads. Um, a lot of it's done in like community management. Um, we still run a little bit of TV, but the, the, the material is based around what we think the customer really wants Yeah. instead of what we really want them to do. Big difference between asking them constantly, you know, saying buy here, do this, do this, do this. Instead, we're saying like, don't you kind of feel this way? And we want the customer to be like, I do kind of feel that way. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's definitely a progressive and Todd is a very progressive thinker. I would consider him 
easily within the top 10% of progressive thinkers in the industry. Because you're talking about someone who just built an amazing big facility, you know, a number of years ago and realizes now that people don't want to come in. So he's doing everything he can, honestly, to, to incentivize people and let them know, hey, you don't have to come in, right? That takes a lot of detachment from what I really want to be the truth and what the actual truth is. Yeah, I no really kidding. want the truth to be people love to come to shop for a car. But I realize the actual truth is that they don't, right? Back to that initial mindset, like very bad beginning of our conversation. What's the first thing you do? Well, you realize like, what do you want to accomplish? Well, I want to understand the actual truth. <laughs> the actual. <laughs> so I, that that's the best example. And we have some, some others that, that we're in the middle of initiatives with that we'll have a lot more to show and talk about soon. But um, some other groups that do it great in the U.S., um, I think Maury's Automotive Group uh, the Midwest does it well. Shomp Automotive does it well. Um, you look at, uh, obviously, com disruptive companies like Carvana who mm -hmm. uh, will say they're not a dealer, right? We're not a dealer. We sell cars. We're not a dealer. Um, you know, but and they capitalize on the customer sentiment. So you go watch Carvana ads on YouTube and you realize really quickly once you get past that offense, right? Like, oh, they're talking, they're, they're painting me in a bad light. It's like, no, actually, they're taking the same customer data that I hear at every conference I go to, which is only dealers in the room, yep. the same data, and they're yep. saying, oh, well, we're just going to create content that empathizes with that data. Well, they're right? so they didn't come up with it. No. We're just listening to the customer and saying, hey, let's try to give you what you want. That's cool. Thank you so much for the examples. And I, and I really encourage anybody that's on here to, to check, some of these, check some of these guys out. Look, it, it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. And like we said, we, we stated this is at least a minimum of a 12-month process. And it, it starts with your team. It flows into your, your, your brand and what your brand stands for and those pillars or those cornerstones, you know, and then let those things define out what your processes are. And then that th those processes become the stories that now your marketing team is able to go forward and push out that really making the, the differentiation between doing business with you versus doing business with others. Um, Paul, this was absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for jamming with us. But before we leave, um, you got something really exciting coming. You know, let's let's talk real quick about what, what you what you've been brewing up. Yeah, sure. Um, first, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and I'm just really honored to even just be able to be on your podcast and talk some business with you. So, thank you for that. Um, so, uh, I'm about to release a book. It's my first book ever. It's called The Automotive Manifesto, um, and it is a book that I said is written for the 10% that I keep referencing, for the people who understand that change is coming. And the subtitle is it How Brand Connection Can Save Retail Automotive. I go out through it and I, I talk about what the auto industry has been. I talk about what I would do. People ask me all the time, what would you do if you built a dealership from the ground up? So I finally laid it out, um, sales model, facilities, company culture, branding, marketing. And um, I, I don't do it in a way that's like, hey, you have to do this. I'm just saying like, I understand dealers in all kinds of different positions. So like manufacturer relationships and legacy buildings and family things. So like, mm -hmm. it's just my effort to say in an ideal world, here's exactly what I would do. And I would do it. Everything I suggest is with existing technologies, existing channels. So it's not like, wouldn't it be nice if, right? <laughs> it's things that actually exist. So uh, it's a short read and uh, it's designed out really neat. So it should be a fun and easy read too. So um, that's going to drop in just a few weeks here. So pre-orders and stuff will be up on uh, the automotive manifesto.com.
automotive manifesto. All right. I'll definitely yeah. have to make sure people are checking that out. I'll post that link when we go to post this. Thank box. you. I appreciate that so much. No, 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 no. I'm looking forward to getting my, uh, reading it as well. Um, yeah. Paul, for uh, anybody out there that'd like to connect with you and, you know, kind of, you know, keep jamming with you. Yeah. What's the best way to connect with you? Um, I, I try to create as little friction as possible. So I'm on just about every social channel. Um, you know, from LinkedIn to Instagram, where's a little more personal stuff behind the scenes, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the real best way to figure out what platform also on Spotify, I have a weekly podcast, the best way to get way to all that stuff is my website is Paul J daily D A L Y.com. And then you can just click and link out to any of the other platforms, whatever you like. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks again, Paul. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jason.